Okay. Let me ask you. Are you aware of how God provides people for you and me to help us along the way? Think about it. Are you aware of how God provides different people to help you and me along the way? Please turn to Ezra in your Bible, chapter 7, as we continue our message, message series from Ezra. Our theme today is this. Be aware of how God provides people for you and me to help us along life's journey. This truth came to my mind as I especially thought of how King Artaxerxes in the Bible, King Artaxerxes of Persia, helped Ezra the priest and scribe to carry out the mission which he had given to Ezra. The year was about 458 B.C., Rachel, about 458 B.C. when this happened. God had directed Ezra to leave Babylon, which used to be located in what is modern-day Iraq. God directed Ezra to travel about 800 miles, or 12,800 kilometers, from Babylon to Jerusalem. God had directed him to do this as um, a special mission, which is recorded in Ezra chapter 7, verse 25. Look at verse 25. It says, God is speaking, or rather, the, the, in this case, the king is speaking, and he says, and you, Ezra, are to use the wisdom your God has given you to appoint magistrates and judges who know your God's laws to govern all the peoples in the province west of the Euphrates River. Teach the law, that's referring to the word of God, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Teach the word of God to anyone who does not know it. Now, what is beautiful, what is really beautiful to see is how the king himself actually helped Ezra carry out God's mission. The king helped Ezra. Notice, for instance, how King Artaxerxes gave the order for any of the people of Israel who lived in his country, he gave the order so that they could feel free to volunteer to return to Jerusalem. If they were Jews, they could return to Jerusalem with Ezra to help him. We read about this in verses 11, uh, 12, and 13, for example. Here it is. Verse 11 of Ezra 7 says, King Artaxerxes had given a copy of the following letter to Ezra, the priest and scribe who studied and taught the commands and decrees of the Lord to Israel. So here's what the letter said. From Artaxerxes, the king of kings, to Ezra the priest, the teacher of the law of the God of heaven, Greetings. I decree that all, any of the people of Israel in my kingdom, including the priests and Levites, may volunteer to return to Jerusalem with you. So here it is. The king is telling, telling everyone that in accordance with his heart, 
He is making it possible for any Jews to return with Ezra back to Jerusalem. God's people had been taken away into Babylonian captivity many years earlier, and now there's this opportunity for them to go back. Not only that, but King Artaxerxes also helped Ezra with a lot of money. Helped him with a lot of money that he would need in order to carry out his mission. And we see this in verse 15, for instance. In verse 15, it says, We also commission you to take with you silver and gold, which we are freely presenting as an offering to the God of Israel who lives in Jerusalem. Now notice further the incredible extent to which the king was willing to assist Ezra. Notice in verse 21, in verse 21 it says, I, Artaxerxes the king, hereby send this decree to all the treasures in the province west of the Euphrates River. You are to give Ezra, the king is telling people this, you are to give Ezra, the priest and teacher of the law of God, God of heaven, whatever he requests of you. Give Ezra whatever he requests of you. What am I saying? I'm saying God provided Ezra with a king who was an incredible help in carrying out God's mission. And this leads me, this leads me to this beautiful truth of saying, be aware of how God provides people for you and me as he provided for Ezra to help us a long life's journey. Many times, many times we don't realize this. But Ezra is a powerful reminder to us of, of this reality. So think with me for a little bit. Think with me of how God places different people in your life at different times to assist you. All right? Some people help us with Spiritual matters, okay? Some people help us, number one, with spiritual growth. In the Bible, in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 18, it says, you must grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. In Jude, verse 20, it says, build yourselves up in your most holy faith. Build yourselves up in your most holy faith. In other words, the Bible tells us that God wants us to grow and mature spiritually. He wants us to start in our spiritual journey by repenting of our sins, putting our faith and trust in Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord, and then growing in our relationship with, with him, growing closer to Jesus, developing a closer walk and talk with him. Spiritual growth, amen? Amen. When I first started going to church, when I was a young teenager, the Sunday school lessons, the Sunday school lessons from my Sunday school teachers like Walter Burridge, Mr. Walter Burridge and Mr. Art White, they were a big help to me in my spiritual development. And the messages or the sermons from my pastors back then, Reverend uh, Ron Fry. Reverend Ron Fry, and do you know who, who followed Reverend Ron Fry there? Reverend David Nicholas, or Don Nicholas. Reverend Nicholas followed uh, Ron Fry, and they were my pastors when I was a teenager at the Kennedy Road Church. And through their messages, Sunday by Sunday, I began to learn more and more of what the Lord wanted of me and how the Lord wanted to train, change, transform me. 
And I discovered that, that as I listened to the word of God preached by, by my pastor, I, I started to grow more and more. And this is a privilege that all of us have. Amen? Then when I left, when I left uh, Toronto to go to seminary in Kansas City, where I studied for four years, three years for the Master of Divinity, then one year of extra studies, when I was there, I had the privilege of being built up in my faith as I listened to Reverend Gordon Wetmore, who was our pastor at Kansas City First Church of the Nazarene. What I'm saying, my friends, is the Lord has also, the Lord has also probably provided you as well with some people to help you spiritually. Perhaps, perhaps it's a Sunday school teacher, as it was with me. Perhaps it, it, it is a small group leader. Perhaps it's some of us pastors. Or it could be someone you listen to on the radio or the television or the internet. Or, or you, you are spiritually blessed and enriched through wonderful visiting musicians like the Kramers today. Amen. You're not going to hear better music than this, by the way, anywhere. Right? Whether you realize it or not, God is providing you with some people to help you spiritually. Be aware of it. And give God thanks for him or her. Amen? Amen? So, some people may especially help you spiritually. God may also place someone or several people in your life to provide you or give you, number two, encouragement. Encouragement. We all need encouragement in this journey, don't we? Right? In 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 17, the Apostle Paul talks about Stephanus, Fortunatus, and Achaicus. And then, then Paul says in verse 18 of 1 Corinthians 16, Paul says this, he says, they have been a wonderful encouragement to me. Anita, that's what Paul says about, about these, these folks with these unique names, Stephanos, Fortunatus, and Achaicus, okay? He says, they have been a wonderful encouragement to me. I'm confident that the Lord has placed some special people in your life to encourage you. I, I want to I, I invite you to become more aware of it. Now, sometimes people come along who discourage. But praise God, the Lord, the Lord makes people come across our path to encourage you. Who are they? Sometimes you have to stop and realize that they are there and they are your encouragers, your supporters. Give God thanks for them. Right? Well, then there are others who also help us in a different way. Others help us with friendship, with friendship. Proverbs 17, verse 17 says, a friend loves at all times. Did you know that Jesus had friends? Yes. For example, the Gospel of John, chapter 11, verse 3 says, 
the two sisters, Mary and Martha, sent a message to Jesus telling him this. Lord, your dear friend, Lord, Jesus, your dear friend, referring to Lazarus, Rachel, Lord, your dear friend is very sick. Jesus had friends. You and I need friends as well. I really believe that God has placed some people in your life to become good friends with you, to become good friends with you, but, but you have to take some, some initiative to build that friendship. You have to take some initiative yourself as well. I know that a lot of people enjoy using the social media, and you have perhaps, you have perhaps a friend in China, which is fine. You have perhaps a friend in Australia. You have a friend in the jungles of the Amazon somewhere, or wherever. Now think about this. No one probably ever says this to you. Why are people so willing to communicate on the computer with someone halfway around the world who says all the right things on the computer but may very well, may very well be a thief, a rapist, or a killer, and you have no clue? Come on now. I make more sense than sometimes you give me credit for. (laughs) Why, Why spend hours on the computer communicating with someone you will probably never meet in real life? Doesn't it make sense? Doesn't it make more sense to say to say to someone or to a couple or to a family that you have met, you've met at church or at work or at school or grocery shopping, doesn't it make more sense to say to some of those folks, hey, can you, uh, can you maybe, maybe come over for supper next Saturday at 6 p.m.? Can you and your kids come over and have supper at our place? Or, or you might say, would you folks like to get together for lunch next Saturday afternoon at, at Swish LA or McDonald's or at the Caribbean Wave? <laughs> or wherever you wish, right? You, you see, to have a friend, to have a friend You need to take some initiative and be a friend. You didn't know I was that smart, did you? (laughs) By the way, by the way, for those of you who are looking, wasn't sure whether to say this. (laughs) For those of you who are looking to get married, a great place to start is with friendship. Right, Scott and Rachel? Yeah? You know, if you didn't know it, 
we have a great, we have, we have a lot of great single men in our church. I'm not joking one bit. I could have them come on the platform right now. We have a lot of great single men in our church. And, and, and we have even more, we have even more outstanding, beautiful, talented, wonderful, fantastic single women in our church. Uh, it's, it's about time I get a little response. <laughs> now, a lot, a lot of you men and women need to take more initiative in first becoming friends with that girl or that guy. Okay? We have been blessed. We, we have been blessed to have the Kramer family sing in our church today. And as they said, Scott is the husband, and Rachel is his wife. Okay, stick with me. You have all seen, you have all seen how beautiful his wife Rachel is, right? And you've all seen how beautifully she sings. Yesterday, however... Yesterday, however, when I asked them how they met and married, would you believe? <laughs> would you believe that Rachel, the wife, Rachel told me she had, she had to chase after Scott. <laughs> Rachel, would you stand? Would you stand? Would you stand? Turn around, turn around. I mean, would you, uh, just wave if I'm telling the truth. That's the truth, right? Turn around, turn around so they can see you, right? That is the truth. Can you believe it? Can you believe it? She had to pursue him. I thought, what's wrong with that man? Single women of Rosewood. Single women of Rosewood. After church. <laughs> Single women of Rosewood. After church. If you want, if you want a good lesson, a good lesson on how to chase after and how to catch a husband, talk with Rachel Kramer. Okay? All right? All right, talk with Rachel Kramer. Pastor Lisa will be first in line. And Anita Hunt will be second in line. <laughs> we'll find him for you, sweetheart. And phone Pastor Tina. Pastor Tina will be third in line. All right, friendship, friendship, okay? All right, you didn't mind me having fun with you, did you? You can sing again here since you're okay. <laughs> oh, and in case some of you boys didn't notice, didn't think, 
they have an outstanding 18-year-old daughter. Okay, use your brains, guys. That would be a good reason to uh, go on the computer for. I mean, you know, just a hint, just a hint. Okay, all right. I have also discovered, my friends, I've also discovered that sometimes God places in our lives, in our lives, people to help us financially, financially and or materially. You know, sometimes God places people in our lives to help assist us with, with financial needs or material needs. Amen? Amen. I believe it was uh, 1986. I had been pastoring our Rosewood Church here for about five years when I received a phone call from a family, a family who said, Pastor Nick, we feel the Lord is directing us to give you $8,000 to buy a car. I said, um, thank you very much, but we, we already have a good car. We have, uh, we have a nice, uh, I think it was a 1979 Chevrolet Chevette. Do you, any of you remember my beautiful little Chevette? <laughs> right, my first love. <laughs> So anyway, the caller, the caller said, the caller said, yes, yes, we, we know you have that little car, but, but your wife, your wife needs a car, and you are a very busy pastor building up your church, and your wife is at home with the baby, that would have been Amy at that time, your wife is at home with the baby, and she would probably be thrilled to have a car that she can get around in with, with your little one. Well, I didn't know what to say to the caller, honestly. I didn't know what to say. Uh, I thanked them, and, and I asked if I could think about it and get back in touch. I got off the telephone with the caller. It was a family I, I hardly knew, to tell you the truth. And, and then I phoned my wife, Cindy. I phoned my wife, Cindy, and I said, uh, Honey, I got a strange phone call. I got a phone call from a family that we hardly know, and they told me that they feel the Lord is directing them to give us $8,000 so we can buy a car for you. Well, Cindy got super excited. She got all excited and said, Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, I've been praying for a car. I've been praying for a car. <laughs> I, I really didn't know she was praying for a car so feverishly. She said, she said, you have the Chevette most of the time and I have to go to a lot of different places to the doctor and here and there with a baby. It hasn't been easy. We, we can't afford a, a second car. And so I've been praying for one. I didn't know about it until then. And I said, I said, Cindy, Cindy, I don't know. I don't know if it is right for us to accept a large gift of $8,000 from from anyone. I, I said, I, I don't know if that's allowed. So I, I, said, I said, I should talk to our district superintendent, explain to him the situation, and ask him if it's okay for us to accept the $8,000 gift for a car. So I phoned up, I phoned up Reverend Lorne McMillan, our district superintendent at that time. I phoned up Reverend McMillan. I told him about the generous offer. And basically, basically, Reverend McMillan said to me this. He said, you silly boy. 
Of course it's okay to accept their $8,000 gift. Call them back quickly before they change their mind. <laughs> so I did. I listened to my boss. A reminder for my associate pastors here to <clears throat> listen to their boss. Thank you, Mrs. Autar. Well, a check for $8,000 was given to us. My wife and I said, okay, okay, we need to tithe. We need to give a tenth of this $8,000 to our church, which leaves us with $7,200 to buy a car. We started looking in the newspaper for a suitable vehicle, and we found a lovely two-year-old mid-sized Pontiac Sunbird station wagon with very low mileage that was being sold by a General Motors executive uh, who worked out in Oshawa. And so we, we drove out to see the car and fell in love with it. We thought, wow, this looks like brand new and it's, you know, it's just two years old and so on. And they were selling it, they were selling it for $7,000. $500. We offered, we offered 7,000. I'm a negotiator. <laughs> so we offered 7,000 and they said, no, they said, no, but we'll, we'll sell it to you for 7,200. This is the gospel truth. How much money did we have to buy a car after tithing the $8,000? We had 7,200, that's right. Now my friends, I am not saying that God will bail us out every time we have a financial need or a material need. That's not the point. What I am saying is perhaps beautifully stated by the Apostle Paul in Philippians chapter four, verse 19, where Paul says this. He says, and this same God who takes care of me will supply all your needs from his glorious riches which have been given to us in Christ Jesus. Isn't that beautiful? I'd like to also tell you about one incident of how the Lord placed, placed a very important person in my life, who, and in the life of our church, by the way, who helped, who helped our church financially in a major way. Here it is. Back in the year 2002, we were getting ready to start construction on this church building. Scott, we were getting ready. We were waiting for the final approval and building permit from the city, which we expected to come through in September 2002. Well, it was July 2002, and as the leader of this church, I was getting very nervous, I was getting very nervous, because our finance committee and our treasurer and I had been trying, we had been trying for two years We've been trying for two years to get a mortgage in addition to the funds that we raised. We've been trying for two years to get a mortgage in order to be able to build this church building. And I had, I had personally spent, you know, it's, it's hard to know exactly, but I, 
looking back, I believe I personally had spent anywhere from 60 to 80 hours working on trying to get a mortgage, meeting with bankers, meeting with financial institutions, going to meetings, begging them, pleading them, preparing paperwork, all the kinds of stuff that needed to be done. I spent probably 60 to 80 hours. That was just just little old me, all right? Now, as a church, we had an excellent credit history. We had an excellent credit history. That was not the problem. But what many of you don't know is that banks and other financial institutions are very reluctant to lend to churches and to charities in Canada. I don't know if it's the same in the United States. Okay? They're reluctant for a variety of reasons. So after about two years of trying to secure a mortgage for several million dollars, in July 2002, we still did not have a mortgage arranged. I remember praying. I remember praying, Lord, it's July, and September is coming. Lord, it's July, and September is coming. Construction time is coming, and still we don't have a mortgage. Lord, please lead us to someone who, who will lead us to the money to build this church. It was my heart's cry. Soon after, soon after that, I went to visit in a hospital the father of a gentleman who attended our church. His dad was ill. The father was actually a part of another church, but I had known him, and, uh, and I went just to, just to give a little extra support to the dad and to the whole family to read scripture and pray with them during their tough time. When I went to the hospital to see this father, it just so happened that the minister from his own Baptist church was also there visiting him. The Baptist minister and I had known each other a little bit. We had met occasionally. And somehow in the course of our conversation, I had mentioned to him that I was very burdened because it was July we were scheduled to start construction in September and that we still did not have a mortgage. He, he asked me how our building program was going, and so I told him. Well, my Baptist minister friend said basically this. He said, Brother Nick, go and apply to Duca Financial Services and they will probably approve your mortgage. They'll probably give you the mortgage. Well, I had, I had never heard of Duca, and none of us had ever thought of applying there. The Baptist pastor told me where Duca was located in Whitby. I phoned their office and discovered the manager was on vacation until early August, and that we could not apply for a mortgage until the manager got back. Obviously, I made an appointment to meet with the Duca manager on his first day back from vacation in early August 2002. Our church treasurer, Bill Hibbs, and I 
went to the Duca office armed, armed with all the church financial statements, building papers, paperwork, and all kinds of information we knew the bank manager we would need. So we went. We completed our detailed application, and then we waited. We waited. And we waited like a pregnant woman. We waited for something good to happen. In September 2002, just as the building department gave us a building permit to start construction on this church building, Duca approved our mortgage. Why did I tell you the story of how we finally got our main church mortgage. Why did I tell you that? I told you it because we're talking about how God provides people for you and me to help us along life's journey. Got it? That's what he does. I had prayed, and I'm sure others of you had prayed, Lord, please lead us to someone who will lend us the money to build our church. And soon thereafter, the Lord led me to a Baptist pastor who said, go to Duca. That kind of tells us that if the Nazarenes will do their best, the Baptists will do the rest. Just kidding. <laughs> there are obviously many other ways in which God provides people to help us, which we don't, you know, we don't have time to get into today. But I want you to look, look at our brief list of how God provides people to help us. The Lord provides people to help us with spiritual growth, Encouragement, friendship, financial, and material needs. Isn't it beautiful to know that oftentimes, isn't it wonderful to know that oftentimes God will also use you? He will use you to help someone else? He'll use you to help someone with their spiritual need. Other times, you are the one who will bring great encouragement to someone that really needs it, right? You are also the one who might be just the right friend, the right friend, or the right husband or wife for someone. And you could be. You could be that very person who can meet someone's financial need or material need. Amen? As you live life this week and in the weeks to come, say, Lord, thank you for the people who are affecting my life in these beautiful ways and many other ways. And Lord, thank you for how you are gonna use me to make a difference in people's lives in these four ways. 
And above all, above all, let all of us say, Lord, I want to begin on my spiritual journey with Jesus. And Lord, help me to encourage someone else to begin their spiritual journey with Jesus, to repent of their sins, to put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ, the Savior and Lord, and to say, Lord, I want to experience spiritual growth for his honor and his glory. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you for what we're able to learn from Ezra. Impact our lives through these truths. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. I'd like